family are looking forward to the Christmas burrito and the Christmas tacos and the Christmas nachos. Oh, and there's also a Spanish service next week at uh, 4 p.m. here at the church. So just heads up on that one. So my favorite, it's going to be great to hear uh, Pastor Dwayne make an attempt at a Christmas burrito song, but my favorite holiday classic happens to be Levita singing uh, Santa Baby to Dwayne. That is just, it's always epic. And so we're going to have that going on tonight. It's just going to, if you like to see Pastor Dwayne melt like snow in 40 degree weather, that's what it is. It's just a beautiful thing. Actually, he, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing. Well, hey, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, just one real quick announcement before we get into the message this morning. Uh, last week, we let you know about our end-of-the-year giving uh, campaign. If you would be uh, gracious enough to prayerly, prayerfully consider how you can give above and beyond your regular tithes and offerings, uh, just to support the, the work that Asbury Church is doing, uh, the three needs that we mentioned last week uh, continue to be the, the general fund, the team that's going to Madagascar, as well as the roof in Dryden. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask me. And I just want to say thank you in advance uh, for your generous support toward that, as well as say thank you for all your faithful support toward our giving. All right, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, and we're going to continue our series on experiencing the joy of Christmas. How many of you are experiencing the joy of Christmas? You saw the snow and you're like going, it's beginning to look a lot like I got to drive. I'm going to lose half my truck in the salt season. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's how I always, I was driving over. And I'm like, oh, you know what's going to happen to the other half of my truck? I'm going to lose it. It's going to dissolve in the midst of all this fun stuff. But, but how many know that, that Christmas is really a great season uh, for us as the followers of God to experience and manifest great joy? And uh, I love what C.S. Lewis said, uh, that joy is the serious business of heaven. Did you know that God is in the business of bringing joy to our lives? And uh, we really ought to allow His joy just to, just to, to fill our lives. Last week we talked about how, how because of His grace, part of the joy is that He has broken the silence. He has heard our prayer and He has responded and is weaving His purpose uh, through our story. And so we're just excited about that. Well, today we're going to talk about unending hope. And as we do, the way I want to begin is to think about Christmas music. How many of you love Christmas music like Pastor Dwayne? You've been listening to it all the time for like decades, right? Or how many of you, you're just like going, dude, Thanksgiving's over, it's time to start the Christmas jams. And that's what we do, right? So real quickly this morning, help me out. What are some of your favorite Christmas songs? Just shout them out. Christmas music, favorite ones, come on. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Nothing says holiday classic like knowing that grandma is no longer with us because she got run over. But anyways, anyone else? Favorite Christmas music? Silent Night. Excellent. Anyone else? Oh, Holy Night. Now, in, in, our, in our service this morning, we not only got the, the song, but we also got who the artist has to be to sing that song. And so Oh, Holy Night came up. And it was Celine Dion. It had to be the way Celine sings it, because how many know it needs to be sung by a Canadian to be sung properly? <laughs> right? A French-Canadian, right? And so it, it's, always, it's always great. Anyone else? Favorite Christmas songs? Joy to the World. Joy to the World, done by the Asbury Church Congregation, is always a classic. Good. Anyone else? What's that? Santa Baby is always a classic. 
done by Levita in the presence of Pastor Dwayne. Um, anyone else? Another, some of your favorite Christmas music? What's that? Blue Christmas by Elvis. Yeah. You know, it's always fun. You know that Christmas is here, not just because of the stuff that's going on in the stores, but because the music starts. And, and, and what I, what, what's really interesting for me about Christmas is that there, there are songs connected to the season. And, and what I think is, I just think that as a part of life, that there is, in a, there is in a sense a song that is connected to the season. And, and the truth is, is we all live in different seasons, even though it may be the Christmas season. I know that different people are going through different types of seasons. Some people are going through seasons of, of just busyness. How many know this is a season of busyness? And it's not just, you know, it's, there's work, there's parties, there's just managing calendars. I know for some, it's a season of sickness. Like, the amount of people that I hear are dealing with cold and flu and sniffles and all those different things. It's just like going, it's, tis the season for Kleenex, right? Um, it, it's a season. Uh, we, we go through seasons sometimes of discouragement, sometimes seasons of frustration or seasons of uncertainty. And, and, and if I had to ask you this morning, the, the season that you're in, like what, what, what would be the song of that season? You know, sometimes, you know, our lives may sound like a country song. How I many you know country music? You have some terrible songs, right? It's just like, oh, life. But, but we can feel like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm going through all of this. And, and there's a song that's connected to the season. Well, I believe that... that that because of the joy that Christ brings, because of the hope that we have, there's a song that should, should arise from our hearts, a song of praise. And, and, and that song ought to be louder and greater than the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Because what God has done for us, as we remember at Christmas time again and again, is that God has brought us unending hope. And so as we look in Luke chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 26 through 33. And as we do, um, the big idea, big idea I want to think around is this, is that the character of our hope is found in the promise of our Savior. And so I want to begin uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Again, Luke is writing his gospel, and there's this great unfolding drama that begins with the Savior's coming, who is a hope for all people. And this is what it says in verse 26. In the sixth month Elizabeth, of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never End. Now, I love this part of the story, that there are so many great ideas, especially around this idea of hope, because what I think Luke is doing here is he's not just setting up what, what Jesus is and, and, and the events that transpired, but he wants us to begin to understand that, that God is in the work of bringing joy. He, he's the kind of God that brings hope to us. 
And as we look at this, this account, I, I think there's different ways that, that we find God brings hope to us. And sometimes the way He brings hope to us is in, in ways that we're not often or always expecting. And the first thing that I want to note real quickly is that the, the hope that God brings meets us in time. It, it says it begins in the sixth month. Now, Luke, as he's recording his story, is very intentional about talking about time. So at the beginning of, of uh, Luke chapter 1, I believe it's verse 5 or verse 6, he says, in the time of Herod, in the time. And the great truth is this, is that God continues to work in time. For Luke, timing is terribly important. Right at the beginning of, of what we read is we see again that in the sixth month that, that the time came that there was this moment where God intervened into the course of what was going on. And I love this because it's the simple reminder that God is working in our days. And even when we don't see it or when we're not aware of it, that God keeps working in our times. And part of the journey or, or, or part of the, the challenge that we have as followers of Jesus is learning to, to discern the time and to begin to move with it. How many of you used to jump rope? Remember jumping rope, doing it by yourself? And we, we had this, uh, this uh, a-thon. I just remember it was a, uh, a way to raise money when we were in uh, middle school, what would be middle school, junior high. It was called Jump Rope for Heart where you had to jump rope, where you'd sign people up for how long you would jump rope, and you jumped rope for way too long. But it was just like doing it by yourself, which is kind of fun. But how many remember jump roping where you have two people actually turning the rope, and then you have to be astute enough to figure out how to jump in? How many of you have been in that place? You remember that moment? You can visualize it. As they're spinning it, and you're like, okay, is it now? And you're watching, you're anticipating, because you're like, okay, I got, I got to get in. And you're watching, and then you go to get in, and you get kind of tripped up. How many of you, like, you, you killed the rope often, right? And, and this is just with one rope. Have you ever watched people do double dutch? Dook, 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 dook. And you're like going, yeah, how do you even get into that? You know, I just walk in like this, and just, you know, just, just take it all out. But, but, you know, I, I think that, that following Jesus, there, there's this aspect that, that God is working in time. And part of our hope is this, that even in the days that we're in, God is working and He is moving. And, you know, what? we have the opportunity to, to begin to say, okay, God, would you help me begin to see, anticipate, to, to watch and to wait so that I might be a part of what you're doing because God is doing something in our days. The truth is, he doesn't always do it on the timetable that we like or, or what we would expect. And this is where we need to learn tr to trust God. And, and, and I think that this idea that God steps into time is so important. Because his work in time is for a purpose. And I love what Ecclesiastes 3.11 says. That God makes everything beautiful in his time. That God is working to bring beauty even out of the days that we're in. And, and, and part of the hope that we have is simply this understanding that God meets us in time. No matter where you're at, what you're going through, I want you to understand God meets you in the times that we're a part of. Not only that, we see that God shows up in unexpected places. Now, there are some places where, where, where we expect God to show up. And, and actually, the first story that we looked at last week, where, where God shows up in the temple, where the angel of, the Lord, the angel of uh, Gabriel shows up, and he shows up in the temple in Jerusalem. It's a holy city. It's a holy place. That's where God is supposed to show up. But instead, what we have in this story is 
God shows up in an unexpected place. He shows up in a town called Nazareth. And, and Luke goes on to say, it, it's a town in Galilee. Now, I live in Freeville. I always love it when people ask, hey, where are you from? And I'm like, I'm from Freeville, New York. And if you're not from around here, you're like, Freeville? Where's that? And then you say stuff like this. Outside of Ithaca. And then people are like, Ithaca? Right, especially when you get beyond, you're like upstate New York, you know, people are Ithaca. And then I'm always like, have you ever heard of Cornell University? Yes, okay, we're in that area. They've heard of Cornell, but they don't even know where Cornell is many times. That's a totally different thing. But, but you know, you tell people, where are you from? Well, I'm from, I'm from Dryden, right? I, I'm from Etna. I'm from, you know, pick, pick these little hamlets. And you're like going, what significance ever takes place in these places. Like the big city, if, if you wanted something big and dramatic, you, you go to the big cities, and this is where you expect the good stuff. Yet God shows up in Nazareth. And Nazareth is, is, is understood, or it was known as just a really insignificant place, but not only insignificant, there, there was an aspect of, of being despised or unclean. It was just, it, it was just like, I love how Nathaniel says it, if you read John chapter 1, because Philip's like, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And he replies, uh, can anything good come from Nazareth? I just love that, right? Because can anything good from that small, little space? You know, sometimes we can feel like we're stuck in little spaces. Stuck in obscurity, in, in places that, that nobody may be aware of. And we feel like, you know, am I seen? Am I heard? And what I love about this Christmas story is that God steps into little spaces. And He shows up in unexpected places to bring hope, to bring encouragement. And, and for me, I think this is so great because even though we may be in a place that, that, that we didn't want to be, or, or maybe we think, you know, uh, boy, I just wish I wasn't here. God can meet us in the very space that we are. It's not just in the expected, but even in the unexpected. We also find as we read this account that not only does hope meet us in time and in unexpected places, but we find that hope works through unlikely people. Now, whenever I read the Christmas story, I'm always, I'm always mindful or reminded of the distance between it and, and us. Like, like, we've grown up with this, you know, this, 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 this pretty kind of, you know, commercialized understanding of, like, Bethlehem, and so we got the beautiful cards, and we got the pretty stables. How many know that the stable is probably not a very happy, peaceful, beautiful place? It's kind of smelly. How many have been to a barn type thing around animals? It, it's always pretty, right? But, but, but not only that, you know, it, it's like the, the setting of the, the Christmas story is so different. It's removed from us, not just time and that it happened 2,000 years ago or geography that it happened thousands of miles away, but, but also culturally. And so, you know, we read through things and we kind of like flow through them kind of quickly. But it says that an angel appeared to Mary, a virgin pledged to be married to Joseph. And, and, and you know, we think about pledged to marry and sometimes we think about engagements and, and we have ideas how we'd like it to work in our lives or we know how it worked in our lives. But in, in, in Jesus' time, 
Engagements were actually more arranged than they were like, you know, like love happening. It was just kind of like, hey, this is the way this stuff works. But not only that, um, the, a person was often, a, a young lady was often betrothed in Jesus' day when they would be between the ages of 12 and 14. Okay, how many think that's a little young, right? Like, so I was kind of, I was kind of like laughing because Kendra, she's not here. She's with the kids next door helping out over there, but but Kendra is 13. And this is what I think. This is just me. If the savior of the world, if if your child was the savior of the world and you wanted someone to raise it, how many of you would pick a 13-year-old girl? Like, how many of us would say, you know, I, I don't know if I would trust a 13-year-old girl to babysit my child, let alone raise them. And, and this is what's so, I think, so amazing about this story, is that God chooses someone so unlikely, someone that, that if, if we were there actually standing, watching all this unfold before our eyes, we'd go, no way, God would never use that person. But the truth is, is that God uses unlikely people to accomplish His purpose. And this, this to me is so great because, you know, as we think about God at work and moving, not only in time and unexpected places, but God even works through unlikely people. Have you ever felt like an unlikely kind of person that God would ever use? It may be, you, you may not be saying, I'm too young. It may be you're saying, I'm too old or not educated enough. Maybe you're like going, you don't know the dysfunction of my past. You don't know my personality. God couldn't use me. But you know what the hope is? God can use each one of us. He uses unlikely people to accomplish His purpose. But as we continue to look at the story, we also find that, that He accomplishes things in unexpected ways. Now, if we could take lots of time, and, and often, you know, it, within the Christmas season, we are reminded of, of the conditions that precede, in a sense, the coming of Christ, that, that Mary is a virgin, and so there's this, this supernatural thing that goes on, and, and we're wowed by the extraordinary. But part of what I think is impressive about this is that God works in unexpected ways. It's not just in the extraordinary, but often in the very ordinary or the very common. How do we know that being a mother is more than just having a baby? How do we know there's a lot of work that goes into being a mom every single day? Right? Like, you just think about Mary, when, when she signs up for this assignment, she, she's not just, like, it's just not about nine months. This is about feeding. It's about, like, making sure the kid's clean, clean clothes. It's about teaching him, you know, how to, like, be polite in society. You know, like, you know, hey, stop picking your nose. Like, how many, how many have had those moments as a parent? You're like, just stop it. It doesn't matter if they're married and in their 20s. You still have to. I'm just kidding, John. But you know what it's like? It's, it's in the ordinary things. You know, we, we often reflect on the supernatural beginning of the story. But, but part of the unexpected ways God works is actually through the ordinary and the common. Through the little and the simple. 
And sometimes it's through those things that he moves his purpose forward. And, and I think that as we reflect on the hope that God brings, sometimes we can feel that I'm not doing anything important or big or large. I'm just doing something ordinary, plain, boring. I want you to know that God works through the faithfulness of his people, not just in the extraordinary things, but even in the ordinary. The last thing I want to note about hope from this passage is we see these different things. We see that hope meets us in time. It shows up in unexpected places. It works through unlikely people. It is accomplished in unexpected ways. But I also want you to note that hope that this hope is for our salvation. It's the angel Gabriel who declares, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call his name Jesus. You are to call his name Jesus. In Jesus' time, names were more than just identifiers. It was more than just, you know, maybe, you know, you got like some historical name that's kind of flowed through the generations. Names were often connected with destiny. That's why when you read the stories in the Old Testament, when somebody's destiny changes, what often changes with it? Their name. So Abram becomes Abraham. We look at, uh, you think about, I'm just talking about other ones real quick. Off the top of my head, it's really fast. But I'll do this one. I'll just do Jesus. Do you know what Jesus means? Yahweh saves. That God, the Lord of the covenant, rescues and he redeems. And this idea of hope is, is this idea that, that, that the hope that we have ultimately is for your salvation and mine. It is for our rescue. That because of Christ's coming, we have a rescue from sin and oppression and bondage. But, but not only that, we have this promise of restoration and transformation. You see, wherever the, hope of, wherever the message of hope is shared... It's restoration that is promised. You see, hope ultimately is a confident expectation of the future because of God. It's this hope, it's this expectation. You know what? In the end, God is going to work all things out for my good. So as we look at this passage, it tells us so much about what hope is and what hope is like. And this is why I say that the character of our hope is found in the promise of our Savior. Because when Jesus comes, He changes everything. And so, part of it is how do we celebrate the hope of Jesus? How do we celebrate the hope of Jesus? Because again, Christmas is about experiencing that joy. How, how do we celebrate the hope? Because I think the reason we have joy is because we have hope. And so I want to share quickly three things that I think we need to do. And the first is this, is we have to hold on to the promise. You see, we need to be a people that, that hold on to the promise. I love what the angel says. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will never end. I, I want to read that again. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants his kingdom will never end. Now, 
every year as I reflect on the Christmas story, there, there's generally a, a part of it that just kind of like grabs my heart and it becomes the thing that I think through and remind myself, off through the, remind myself of through the season. For me this year, it's this idea that his kingdom will never end. His kingdom will never end. It was Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over, over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. From that time on and forever. Now, as I think about this, this is how I view it. His kingdom will reign forever. It is without end. It is not passing away. But there are some things that we need to understand are passing away. Did you know that ultimately all our problems are going to pass away? You need to hear this. All our problems, all the things that, that, that cause us to lose sleep, all those things that we're wrestling and fighting with, those things that occupy our heart, our time, our attention, that, that sometimes overwhelm us. I want you to understand, these things are going to pass away. But our Savior, He reigns forever. See, I think part of the hope of the season is simply this, is that our problems are passing away. Maybe you're a little discouraged because things haven't been going as you hoped. I want you to know discouragement. It's not going to endure forever. It's going to pass away. Maybe you're wrestling with some frustration. Maybe you're angry because some of your expectations haven't been met and, that, and, and you've just been wrestling with dissonance. Maybe things haven't been fair or seen just. I want you to know that's all passing away. Maybe you're dealing with pain. Maybe a sense of loss or grief. I want you to understand that's passing away. But his kingdom will endure forever. You see, our hurt, our fear, our loss doesn't have to rule us because it doesn't reign forever. He does. And we need to hear the hope that the angel shared with Mary that is for us to hear. His kingdom will never end. And that is the promise that we are called to hold on to. Sometimes we allow our circumstances to, to so overwhelm us that all of a sudden it seems as though we've lost our hope. Our hope continues to rest in who Jesus is and what He's done for us. And our hope is greater than any circumstance that we're a part of. 
And maybe you're in the midst of a season and it is a difficult season. Maybe this is a season where, where your heart is turning, where, where your heart is wrenched. Please understand, that's all passing away. And His kingdom will endure forever. And yeah, we're going to have to go through some difficult times and difficult moments, but ultimately we know in the end, He makes everything right and good. And so if we're going to celebrate the hope of Jesus, I think part of it is we just have to be a people that choose to hold on to the promise. But not only do we need to hold on to the promise, we need to begin to partner with what God is doing. I love what Mary's question is to the angel as he says all of this. She just says, how will this be? You know, I, I share with you, listen, understand, all these problems are going to pass away and, and Christ is going to endure, He's going to reign and everything's going to turn out for the good and you're going to be like going, yeah, how is that going to happen? And I got I just, I'll tell you, I don't know. I don't know how, but I know who will do it. Because what is it? What is it that Gabriel responds when she says, how is this going to happen? He says, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. For Luke, the, the idea of the Holy Spirit surrounding, overshadowing, encircling is so important and essential. Not just for the believer, but also for the living out of God's purpose. Here we are in Luke chapter 1, and he's saying, because Mary's like, how is this going to happen? How can this be? And the angel's like, listen, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow. The Holy Spirit is going to stir and move and work. When you go to Acts chapter 2, after Jesus dies and rises again, Jesus tells his disciples, guys, you need to wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You've heard the, the gift my father has promised, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And just so you know, the way baptism was done in that day is you were dipped, you were dunked, you were, in a sense, immersed within the element. And so God says, listen, how is this going to be? Listen, you... The Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. And you may not understand exactly how you're going to get from A to B. We may not understand all of it, but the Holy Spirit is working to bring it about. And our responsibility then is to partner with what the Spirit is doing. This is why Mary's response is so beautiful, because Mary's response is simply this, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have declared what it is, the Holy Spirit is going to do it. All right, I'm going to partner with what the Spirit is doing. And just so you know, that becomes the model in Acts as well. And part of it is, you know what, I, I, can't, I can't tell you how God's going to make everything good in your life. I'm not going to, I can't necessarily tell you how it's all going to turn out in, in, in the way we understand it turning out. I, I do know that God in the end is going to make everything good. How he does it, I just know, I don't know that, but I know that his spirit is moving toward that. And then you and I then have the responsibility to partner with what the Holy Spirit is doing. To be like Mary that just simply say, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. I'm the Lord's servant. 
Lord, what, what you say, how you call, how you direct, Lord, I'm going to walk with you. And for us, it becomes this incredible walk of faith. See, when Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant, it was this declaration of faith. God, I just, I may not understand it, but God, I believe that you are doing it. You're the God who's working to restore hope. You're going to bring salvation. You're going to make it all good in the end. God, I believe it. And I'm willing to walk. And this is why Elizabeth, when she greets Mary, she says, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill His promise to her. And I want you to know that in this season, again, I understand, we may, you, the season that you're in, you may not understand how it's all going to work out. I just want you to know the Spirit isn't inviting you. That God is inviting you to trust His Spirit, to lean into Him and allow Him to guide and direct because He will lead you to the good. The last thing that I want to note, if we're going to celebrate the hope of Jesus, we have to hold on to the promise, we have to partner with what, is, with what God is doing, and then lastly, we need to allow God's grace to change our song. Allowing His grace to change our song. So this is what's so beautiful about this passage. There's this announcement that a Savior is coming. Mary goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth makes this pronouncement, blessed are you, and then what happens after that is what we call uh, Mary's song, or the Magnificant. It's where all of a sudden Mary begins to say, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. What's so beautiful about this to me is this, she had yet to hold Jesus in her arms. She had yet to see him grow up and become a man who would like heal the sick, who, who would feed the multitudes, who, who, who would set people free. It was even before she saw any of that. It, it was before she, she saw him crucified and rejected and then rise triumphant from the grave. It was before all of that, she just began to say, you know what, my soul is going to magnify the Lord and my spirit is going to rejoice in God, my Savior. I may not see it out here, but I know it in here. And what we need to do in the midst of this time is even though our season may not be going as hoped or imagined or dreamed, and maybe you're wrestling with the dissonance and it seems so big and so large, to have our hope set in who God is and what He has begun. It may not yet be manifest out here. We may not see the goodness. We may not see yet the completeness of what God has done. But we know that He has started something. And it's in us. And we believe it. And so we allow that hope then to begin to change our song. And we declare, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit is just going to rejoice in God, my Savior, whether I see it today, whether I see it tomorrow, whether I see it next week, next month, next year, I'm going to choose to rejoice. 
And it's in that rejoicing that we begin to find the strength to make it through the difficulties and the adversity. Because our hope does not rest in our circumstances. Our hope rests in our Savior. And if we are going to celebrate the joy of this season, not only do we need to hold on to the hold on to the promise, but we need to part and partner with what God is doing. But we need to allow God's grace to change our song. And maybe you're in the place where this is a hard season. Maybe this has been that season of loss. Maybe this has been a season of grief or frustration or fear, uncertainty. Would you allow God's word to do something in you? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to stir your heart in such a way that you begin to know, you know what, He's beginning to do something. And allow that hope to be the reason for your song. Not seeing it manifest, but the fact that it's been spoken, it's been placed in your heart. I know some of you, you've been believing for your kid's salvation. Let your hope in our Savior be your song. Some of you, you there's, some, there's some things you're wrestling with. You're, you're looking for freedom and you haven't found it yet. Would you let his hope be your song? Because he's setting free. Some of you, you're, you're dealing with, you know, just an uncertain future. You're not sure how things are going to work out. It may be that there's some things that you're aware of in your, in your stuff that is just, boy, it's causing fear to rise. Would you allow the hope that God is going to make something good begin to be the source of your song? You see, no matter what season we're in, we need to allow our hope change our song because God came to bring us life and as we get ready to close I want to invite the worship team to come up I believe that God wants to place something in your heart Again, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't even know how it's going to happen. But I just know this. I know that the Spirit of God is here. And the Spirit of God wants to whisper assurance. He wants to awaken hope in you. He wants to make something come to life. So that your song arises not from your circumstances, but from your Savior. Because that's where our joy is. I want to be like Mary. That just declares my soul, it magnifies the Lord. It's not about magnifying my problems, my, my fears, my, my hurts. Yeah, those suckers are present, but you know what? My heart, my soul, it's going to magnify the Lord. And it's my spirit that's just going to rejoice in God, my Savior. Guys, it's a season to rejoice. Because our hope has come. And His kingdom 
will never end. His kingdom. There's going to be a few things that pass away, but you know what? His kingdom endures forever. And because of it, you and I have an unending hope. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you that you're here in this place to awaken hope in us. Lord, I thank you that you have a hope that meets us in time, that meets us in unexpected places, that, that God, you allow it to work through unlikely people and accomplish and be accomplished in unexpected ways. Lord, I thank you so much that your hope, Lord, the hope that we have is bringing salvation. It's bringing rescue. It's bringing life. It's bringing restoration. And God, I know that we are in a season, and I know this is a, a season of celebration, yet God, sometimes the the seasons of our circumstance seem to arise above it. Father, we are asking for the hope of your grace to change our song. For God, it rests in you. And just while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, how many would just simply say, you know what? I need hope for the season that I'm in. Maybe you're wrestling with some struggle, some fears. And you're saying, you know what, God, I, I need you to change my song. That you would just raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Oh, I see those hands and those ones. Father, Lord, these are your children. These are your kids you care so deeply and passionately about. And God, we come before you recognizing that, Lord, the circumstances that surround our lives, Lord, they're so much greater than us. Lord, we're struggling and battling, yet, God, I thank you that you have a grace for us, even in this moment. That, Lord, by your Spirit, you are awakening a hope in us. A hope because of our Savior, whose kingdom is without end. Lord, I just want to say thank you that, Lord, our hurts are passing away. Our fears, our uncertainties. That, Lord, ultimately they are going to dissolve in the light of your goodness, your grace, and your purpose. And so, Lord, we will not fear. And God, we choose this day to magnify you and to rejoice in our Savior. Lord, I thank you for your great salvation. Thank you, Lord, for awakening hope. Help us, Lord, to continue to partner with what your Spirit is doing, that we might bring glory and honor to your name. 
In Jesus' name, amen.